Let's pray before we start. Father God, we give you praise and glory. And Father, just like that word, that song we just heard, God, sometimes we don't have the words. Our words are not big enough to praise you, Father. So Father, when we are in that situation, God, when the words just can't come, Father, I'm asking you just to listen to our heart. Listen to our heart, God, as we pour our hearts out to you in love. Father, we are so thankful that you have given us the way. We're so thankful that you've given us the light. We're so thankful, God, that you are with us always. Father, we praise you, Father. We praise you, and we praise you. In your name, amen. All right, great song there, Ron. Uh, Not knowing that it was going to tie into the message, that's incredible. Again. (laughs) I don't know how she does that. But she does it somehow. It might be the Lord speaking, you know what? Maybe. Uh, I I don't have one just central verse today that we're going to just look at. Uh, We're going to look at an idea. And uh, so there'll be some verses up there, but we just don't have one central text like we have been the last uh, couple of weeks. But the title of the message is this, A Man After God's Own Heart. That's, that's the title, A Man After God's Own Heart. We're going to be looking at that today. And I think most of you would know that that, that phrase itself is, is uh, talking about King David, uh, that, that God had spoken this about him. I, he's a man after my own heart. And, and, and I think sometimes, I don't know about you, but I've kind of wondered about that. Because David was far from perfect, okay? David had a lot of successes in his life, okay? I mean, he's, I mean, he's king of Israel. I mean, he is, he is the guy. He is the most powerful man probably on the face of the earth at that time. So he had a lot of success. But we know he had some failures too. We know he, he wasn't perfect. We know of his affair with Bathsheba. We know that he had Bathsheba's uh, husband murdered. Uh, we read and we find out he was probably a lousy husband and a lousy father to his kids. Okay, he wasn't perfect. We know that he went for months without ever acknowledging his sin, much less confessing it, much less repenting of it. I mean, he was not a perfect man. So, so I guess the question is, how does, how does all that happen? I mean, here he is, imperfect, and yet God stamps him as saying, man, this is a guy after my own heart. Interesting, I thought. And, and, I, and I, I just began wondering about that. We've been in the Psalms, and I just kind of wondered about how, uh, how does that happen? How, does, how, does, how did David get that, get that put on him? A man after God's own heart. And today when we're going we're gonna to look at this and give you some examples of that, I, I, I want you to know when, when I speak of a man after God's own heart, I'm also speaking about a woman after God's own heart, okay? This relates to everybody, everybody in this room, okay? How can we have a heart that, that God says, um, you're just coming after me, if you would? In Acts 13, 22, uh, we kind of read the answer there to to that question, how, that, how could that be? And in Acts 13, 22, we read these words. He says, I have found David, the son of Jesse, okay, yeah, a man after my heart who will do all of my will. Uh, well, there you go. 
said, David would be a man after my own heart because he will do my will. Wouldn't you want God to say that about you? That you were a man after his heart? That you were a woman after his heart? I mean, what a, what a, what a great thing. I can't think of anything bigger than that. Man, wouldn't you think of, man, there's Rhonda over there, a, a woman after God's own heart. There's Don over there, and he, he's, he's a man after my own heart. There's, and you put your name in that blank. There is, and God would be saying that about you, that you were a man or a woman after God's own heart. I'm not sure there's a, ever a greater compliment a person could receive on this side of heaven. It's kind of like once we get to heaven, good job, well done, my good and faithful servant. And yet, God kind of branded him here on this earth. <laughs> I said, that's a guy who's after my own heart. I suggest to you today that you and I can have that same kind of heart. You and I can be called by God to do the very same thing. And so we're going to look at some of those characteristics today. It is a desire to seek God's heart. So that's what we're going to look at today. How can you and I be a person, a man or a woman, that God would say, uh, you are after my own heart. That's what we're going to look at today. In 1 Samuel, well, the first one there is, it's a heart issue. Did you know that? And that's why I like that song that Rhonda gave us. It's a heart issue. If you want to be a man or a woman after God's own heart, it begins with your heart. It's a heart issue. 1 Samuel 16, 7 says this, God does not see as man sees. Okay? Man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. I mean, we know, we know David. I mean, the Bible talks about him. He was, a, he was a runt of the family. Did you know that? He was baby boy, if you would. Uh, the Bible says he was very ruddy or red, I guess, in complexion or maybe his hair or, or whatever. And you remember that when, when Samuel was... was uh, uh, fixing to anoint the next king of, of Israel. And he went to uh, the father of David named Jesse. And, and Jesse paraded all his sons out in, in front of, of Samuel. And Samuel was going to pick, pick the king. David was not invited to that party. Okay? David was the baby of the family. He was the runt. He was, out, he was the only one out working, basically. I mean, he was tending sheep and all the rest of the boys were back home probably doing nothing. But we find that David was not the biggest, he wasn't the strongest, he wasn't the tallest, he wasn't the best looking. But you see, God didn't look at the outward appearance of David. He looked at David's heart and when he saw in David's heart was he saw a, a, a man, if you would, that wanted to seek after God. He was a man who says, I love you, God. He was a man whose heart said, I want to be obedient to you, God. If we ever want to be a man or a woman that God says, claims and goes after my heart, he would say, we have to look at our heart ourselves. And do we seek him? Do we love him? Are we going to be obedient to him? It is all about our heart because we can't fool, we can't trick God no matter how hard we try. You can, you can fool everybody in here. But you can't fool God because God looks what's here. To be a man or woman after God's own heart. The first thing we've got to remember, it is a heart issue. Do you seek the Lord? Do you love the Lord? Do you want to be obedient to Him? 
I think the second thing that we, well, this first thing, let's keep going on there. Let me give you some verses. Matthew 5 and 6 says this. If you hunger and thirst after the Lord, the Bible says you will be satisfied. That is a heart that longs to be living a life of righteousness. Deuteronomy 4.29 says it this way. But from there you will seek the Lord. A heart that seeks the Lord. And you will find Him when you search for Him with all of your heart and with all of your soul. You want to know God better? You want to be, have a bigger presence of God in your life? You seek Him all your heart and all your soul. And what happens is the Bible says you're going to find Him. That's a great promise. Psalm 37.4, which is not all of the verse, but it said, It is a heart that delights in the Lord. It's a heart that delights in the Lord. It's a heart that delights in the things of the Lord. Now, we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. So if that is your desire for God to say, Man, you got, you're a person after my own heart. Man, you, it, it begins here. It begins with the heart. It is a heart issue, if you would. I think the second thing that that quality or characteristic that David had, he had a heart that recognized God's goodness and God's faithfulness. Okay? Recognized God's goodness and God's faithfulness to us. I mean, we read in 1 Samuel. We read in 1 Samuel, and and you know the story. Uh, You know, the, the Israelites and the Philistines were at war, and big old Goliath comes, and he's yelling insults at the, at the, at the Israelites. And, and they're all hiding in the caves and hiding behind the trees and, and, and just hunkered down there, and they're not going to do anything with this big giant that comes up. Uh, but you know the story, don't you? We know that David, what does he do? He steps up and said, I, I got this. I'm just a young guy. I, I know it. I'm a teenager, but I got this. I mean, he's insulting my God. He's insulting your God, and you're just going to sit there and take it? He said, no, 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 I, I got this. And we know that his brothers made fun of him. They mocked him because of that. Well, you ain't nothing. You're just a young, young punk. You're nothing. King Saul mocked him and made fun of him. The soldiers made fun of him. But what happened? He stepped up, didn't he? And in, and in 1 Samuel 17, 36 and 37, we find out why he stepped up. He says, your servant has killed, and that's David, has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, since he has taunted the armies of the living God. The Lord has delivered me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear. He, God, will deliver me from the hand of the Philistines. And then you know the rest of the story. You see, before David stood before that giant Goliath, He had already been with God. He had already seen God's hand work in his life. Because you see, there was no way, there was no way David, probably the age 12 or 13 at the time, as he's herding sheep here, that when a lion or a bear came up to snatch one of his, there was no way he would physically be able to stop that from happening. I mean, can you imagine? I I mean, here comes a bear and all he wants is dinner. And he's going to take one of your sheep. And David was willing to sacrifice his life in order to stop that. But as David looked back, he said, man, there is no way me physically could ever do anything about that. 
So that's why he says in verse 37, the Lord has delivered me from the paw of the lion and paw of the bear. He knew, he recognized that God's strength was in his life. He knew that God was the reason why he was able to defeat a lion and a bear. He knew that God had been faithful back then. And he knew that God would now be faithful right now as he stood before that giant. He had had a history of God coming through. And he knew God would have another history of him going through and being successful right now. And the question is, do you, in your life, do you, do you do that? Do you look at your life back then and even today and you see God's hand in it? Do you see God's hand working through things in your life? I mean, it's, you know, it, it's easy to be here and look back here and say, well, yeah, 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 I get it now. Yeah, God did this. I get that. But are you able to do it right now and we see God's hand right now dealing with the good and the bad and the ugly of your life? You see, David was able to recognize God's goodness and he remembered God's goodness and he remembered God's faithfulness. I mean, I knew a guy one time who, who applied for a job. And it, it was going to be a pretty good job. And, and yet there was 47 applicants that applied for the same job. 47. Guys that were smarter, guys that were bigger, guys that had more experience, guys that just were better candidates. But for some reason, God said, no, I'm going to pick you for that job. For some reason. Nothing special, but God said, out of 47 candidates, you got the job. Amazing. That shouldn't happen, but it did. I knew a guy that, that, that his family struggled with uh, infertility and, and, and were wanting children, and it just couldn't happen, didn't happen. And yet God opened another door to provide children for that family. Didn't know that was the door, but it was the door. And we look back and we see God's hand in, in all of this. I knew a guy that, that one time had been at a church for a long, long time, long time. And he had done some teaching and some other stuff around the church. And, and then one day God just, in essence, just released him from that position. Said, said you're done here. And, you, and, you, and I've got another door for you. I've got another opportunity for you. And at the time you don't understand that kind of stuff. But, but when you just let God lead you. And you say, God, just whatever you want to do, let's go do it. I'm, I'm with you on this. And we see that, that God just took a, a situation that wasn't good and he's made something really great out of that. You see, you see you, you've got to get to the point in your life like David where you go, God's hand took me from the bear and the lion. It's going to take me now. I've got struggles now. I've got problems now. I, but you know what? I've got a history with God. And I want to recognize that God's hand, and I want to recognize God's faithfulness. And if we ever want to be a man or a woman after God's own heart, you know what we need to do? We've got to recognize that God is working in your life, and He's working in my life. And we put faith, and we put trust in that. And we see that He's done it once. <laughs> I guarantee you, He can do it again if that's what He wants. Man, that is also a heart issue, is it not? Knowing that God is working, and we accept what God is doing in our lives. I think a third, a third characteristic that David had, he had a heart that took responsibility for sin. He had a heart that takes responsibility for sin. 
And we talked about this last week, you know, in Psalm 51, uh, where, where he talked about, he goes, you know, once he finally acknowledged his sin, it took him a while. But he said, you know, that is, that's my transgression. That is my iniquity. That is my sin. And he says, I have sinned against you, God. You know, we, do, we, we live in a world today that doesn't want to accept that, do we? We live in a world that doesn't want to accept responsibility. I mean, we've kind of moved away from that. Much less accept, accept our sin. We, we won't even accept responsibility for our actions many times. You know, and I know you've heard this story, but uh, about the lady that went to McDonald's and got a hot cup of coffee. And she set it on her lap, and as she was leaving McDonald's, the coffee spills on her lap. And she sues McDonald's because the coffee's too hot. Did not want to accept responsibility. You know, we, we live in a world today that we blame, we blame guns, but not the one holding the gun. We blame the, the unborn and, and call it woman's mistake, mom's mistake. We have addictions all over this world, and what do we do? We blame it on some genetic makeup. And all they're doing with that is what? They are blaming God because God made you that way, they would say. And I have this addiction because of what God did. Not wanting to accept responsibility. You know, we look at David, and, and once David recognized his sin, he didn't point fingers at anybody else. He didn't make excuses at anybody else. He didn't say, it's their fault that I've sinned. What did he say? It's all on me. You want to be a man or a woman of God after God's own heart? You've got to be able to accept your sin, acknowledge your sin, confess your sin, repent of your sin, so that God can restore you from your sin. Man. And then he said in that verse 4, which is kind of interesting, I think, and he says, because of you, God, against you and only you, God, I have sinned. I mean, you got to thinking about that. You know, against God, I've sinned? Well, I mean, yeah, I sinned with Bathsheba, yeah. I, I sinned by having her husband murdered, yeah, I sinned. But David, is he passing the buck here? Is he packing the buck that said, I, yeah, I sinned, and it's, but I've sinned against you, God. It, and really not against these other folks. How does that work, I wonder? How does that work? The root of David's sin is he quit trusting in the Lord. Now, what does that mean? The root of God's sin is he quit trusting in the Lord. Who, who defines sin? Who, who sets the boundaries for living? It is God. And God has said, he said, this is, this is I have this plan for you. And if you will just live in my boundaries... And do what I've asked you to do and accept my statutes and my commandments and, and, and my love and my grace. If, if you'll just, just live this way in this box. He says, I promise you, you'll have joy, you'll have peace, you'll have everything that you need to make you, make you happy. To have a great life. Trust me, God would say. And what did David do? He decides not to trust God. He decides to, to live life how he wants to during that period of time. He said, I think, I think this, 
This woman will make me happy. I think I need to, I need to do something with her husband so she can make me happy. And, and he got to the point in his life that he goes, I, I no longer trust you, God, to make me happy, to bring me peace and joy. I want to do it this way. And that way is what? That way is sin. That way is transgression. That way is iniquity. We've got to be a person who says, I acknowledge my sin. And see, once David got to that point where he understood his sin, and he confessed and he repented of that sin, David, David knew that he didn't care what anybody else thought. He didn't care what the rest of his people thought about that. See, he didn't care. Once he understood what he had done, how he had broken that fellowship and that relationship with God, okay, he was heartbroken over what he did because he had sinned against God. And at that point, he didn't care what anybody thought. All he wanted was to be, be accepted and approved by God again. All he wanted was God in his life at that point. You see, what I, you see what we're getting at here? I mean, he acknowledges sin. He knows he's broken God's heart. And all he wants is to be restored by God. He didn't care if the wife liked it, if his friends liked it, if public opinion. He didn't care anything about that. He was so heartbroken in his life that he says, All I want is my fellowship and my relationship with God restored. Do we do that when we sin? Do we understand that when we, we fall short of God's glory that, that we really have sinned against Him and, and not just the folks around us? And do when we want to repent and be restored, is it important enough to go, Man, God, I don't care what anybody says. I want you in my life. To be a man or a woman after God's own heart, I believe we must be able to accept responsibility for our sin. Responsibility that we've broken God's heart and we come to Him with, with humbleness and openness and say, I want you, God. I don't need anybody else. I think another thing that we can look at, a characteristic, is we have a heart that absolutely loves God's Word. Absolutely loves God's Word. You read the Psalms over and over and over <laughs> and over. And David talks about his love that he has for God and the love that he has for what's in God's book. Uh, we talked about this Sunday, this Sunday school hour today about loving and meditating and knowing and wanting to know God's Word. One of the verses that we looked at is Psalm 1 and 2. And it says that the blessed man delights in the Lord, delights in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. That's the love for God's Word. When he stops and pauses and as he reads God's Word, he thinks about it and he meditates and he chews on. And David says, I, I, I have such delight in being in his Word that I'm, I'm going to do it all the time. I look forward, David said, to being in his Word day and night, to meditate on it, to see what it has. Because you see, David knew. He knew if, if, if he needed wisdom for that day, if he needed knowledge for that day, where could he go to get that? God's Word. And he knew it. 
and said, man, that's a delight. What, what road do I take today for this problem? I can find an answer right here, David would say. So I delight in being, being a part of his word and knowing his word and meditating on it. Psalm 119, 47 and 48, he says this. He says, I shall delight in your commandments, David says, which I love. I will lift up my hands to your commandment, which I love. And I will meditate on your statutes. David was in love with God's word. Psalm 119, 105, David knew that they word, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. David knew whatever direction he was wanting to go, he could find an answer in God's word. You'll light my way. The steps I take, God, it will be lit up. I'm not walking in the darkness. Psalm 119, 15 and 16. I will meditate on your precepts and regard your ways. I shall delight in your statutes. I shall not forget your word. He loved reading God's word, meditating on God's word, obeying God's word where he found wisdom and knowledge. Godly wisdom and knowledge, not wisdom and knowledge from the world, which will never work, but God's wisdom and God's knowledge. Do you have that kind of love for God's Word that you passionately look forward to reading it and meditating on it and being in it, if you would, every day? I mean, do you have that kind of passion that you just, you can't, can't wait to get in it? Uh, I had, I mean, Jerry, Jerry said today, he said, you know, I've read this verse, whatever that verse was, a hundred times, a thousand times. And he said, I never saw that in there except for today. Okay, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. That's what I mean about meditating on his word. All of a sudden, if something will happen and you'll be reading God's word and go, whoa, that's in there? I've read that. But it doesn't make as much sense as it does today because you know why? Holy Spirit is saying, here's a truth I want you to get today. Here's a truth I want you to get today. You see, we've got to get to the point where we absolutely love God's Word. The more we're in God's Word, the more we're going to want to be in God's Word. Do you know it? I'm, I'm just serious. The more you're in it, the more you want to be in it. The less you're in it, the less you want to be in it. Okay? To be a man or a woman after God's own heart, we absolutely need to be able to love this book, meditate on his book, and obey the book. The last one I want to say today, it's a heart that, whose desire is to please God and not man. To please God and not man. We read in, in, in 1 Samuel 24, that David is on the run. He's not king yet. Saul is still king. And, and David is running for his life because Saul has tried to kill him and uh, wants to do it again. Okay? And we read in there, and, and, and David and his few men that he had with him ends up in a cave out in the wilderness somewhere. And, and they've moved to the back of the cave, if you will. And there they are, and they're, and they're hiding out, if you would. And guess who comes... And walks into the same cave in the same wilderness. King Saul. Coincidence, huh? And nah, I don't think so. I mean, God's at work there. 
And, he, and Saul walks in and, and there he is and he doesn't know David and his men are at the back of the, of the cave there. And, and, and David's men kind of punch him and go, hey, David, this is your chance. You know that God has appointed you king. You know you're going to get that one of these days. David, this is your opportunity. David, you need to go kill him. Get rid of him. David, you got to go do this. David, here it is, David. Your opportunity, this is, this is God's will for you to eliminate Saul. And what, is, what does David say? I cannot raise my hand against God's appointed you see, David wanted to please God more than he pleased his fellow soldiers. David knew what God said, but his soldiers didn't know what God said. And how easy it would have been for David to rationalize. Yeah, yeah, you, you guys are right. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm going to be king. I know that. I've told you that. God's told me that. I, I know, I know. How easy would it have been just to go... You guys are right. I think I'll take matters in my own hand and we'll just, we'll just eliminate Saul right now. And that way I'll be king. Okay? But he didn't, did he? He said, no, I, that's not right. I can't raise my hand against God's appointed. And I guess the question is that we need to look at ourselves. Are we like that in our lives? Would we rather please God... Or please our friends. When we're at work, do we want to just mingle with the bunch and in a sense compromise our, our, our faith, if you would, because we want to get along with, with all our coworkers and we don't really want to say anything about God because... You know, or, or at school, when you go to school and... and, and, and and you want to be friends with everybody, okay? And I, you don't want anybody to like you, you know, and it's one of those kind of times in your life and, you know, you want to be like everybody. And you just kind of mingle with the group and you don't take a stand for God knowing what God wants you to do in this situation. And we have to decide, and we do this all the time, am I going to be a, a man or a woman that chooses to please God or please other people? That's a choice David had to make in that cave. And I suggest to you, we have to make that choice every day. Is it more important for you and I to please God or to please the folks that are around us? I don't know. I mean, that's a choice that we all have to make. I would encourage you, if your desire is to be a man or woman after the heart of God, you need to be a God-pleaser and not just a man-pleaser. Okay? Matthew 6.33 says this. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all that will be added to you. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first to please God and not man. Seek ye first a priority in your life. Matthew 6.24 says this, just not all the verse. No man can serve two masters. No man can serve two masters. And there's more to that verse. No man can serve two masters. Are you serving and pleasing in your heart and in your actions to God? Or are you more interested in what they say? 
about your life. You know, wouldn't it be great one day for God to say that about you? Man, you're a, you are a man or a woman after my own heart. What a great compliment. There are some things that I've given you right there that can help us get there. Okay? What a compliment. It's all about your heart, isn't it? It's a heart issue. Okay? It's a heart that recognizes God's goodness and His faithfulness. It's a heart that accepts responsibility for sin and desires to clean up that pipeline of fellowship through confession and repentance. It's a heart that loves God's Word. It's a heart whose desire is to please God and not man. I don't know about you, but, but it's really a good thing that, that when we mess up one, two, three, four, five, ten thousand times, that God will say, you know, failure is not final. Dave, boy, you, you kicked it big time, Dave. Don, you kicked it big time. Mark, you've just kicked it big time. And Mark, you did that three or four or five, ten times, Mark. And yet what? God says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. And what? I will give you rest. I will give you your peace back. I will give you your fellowship back. I will extend grace upon grace upon grace. I'm so glad that our Lord is in the grace business. It's something that I don't deserve. It's something that you don't deserve. But He loves us so much. When we accepted Him as Lord and Savior, He said, man, I'm going to give you stuff that you don't ever deserve. I'll give you eternal life. I'll give you joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, all that kind of stuff. You don't deserve it. I'm so glad that God is an awesome God who says, I love you. You're human. <laughs> You're human. And I know it. And I love you anyway. And I'm going to extend that grace to you. Are you a man or a woman today that says, man, I, I would like God one day to say to me, you are a man or a woman after my own heart. I don't think it gets any better than that on this side of heaven. As we begin our invitation time. If that is your heart's desire, if you would, to be a man or a woman after God, own heart I'd just talk to him about that how can I do that God I can do these things I have these things in my life how do I do that God my desire is to be that kind of a person in today's lingo you would say God I want to be more like your son Christ I want to be more Christ like I want to be able to follow him better I want to be, I want to be closer to him so as the piano plays and our invitation time is, I, I just ask you to do business with God. I mean, is He wanting you to be a man or woman after His own heart? I think He is. Talk to Him about that if you would, please. If you've never been born again, you can be a man after His own heart by coming to accept Him as Lord and Savior, to put your faith and trust in Him. And allowing Him to lead and direct you. As He gives you a home in heaven. As a music place. You do business with God please.
The altars are open. Father God, we just uh, ask that you have spoken to the hearts of your people today, God. Father, I pray that uh, everyone in this room has a heart and a passion, Father, to be more like your son, Jesus. A A heart that says, my heart wants to be like your heart, God. Father, just show us how to do that. Father, give us a desire for that, if you would, please, God. So that I can grow closer to you, God. So I can know more about you, God. So I can be a better witness for you. I can be a light that shines brighter for you in a a dark world, God. Father, I, I, I pray for that, God. That we have a desire to have a heart for you. Even as Christians, God. As believers. Strengthen our hearts so our heart has a stronger desire to know you. And to be a part of you. And to be obedient to you. Father, we, we thank you for that. We thank you for the message today, God. Father, my prayer is that, that as we leave out those back doors, that we don't forget the message. Father, that you have burned it on our hearts so we can remember it and, and deal with it and think about it and meditate on it, God. So that you can draw us closer to you. Father, we're asking for, for safe travels home uh, on the icy roads. Father, I, I'm so blessed and thankful that these have come out. Uh, weathering the the harsh conditions. And Father, I pray for a safe travel. I pray for your travel mercies, God, that you will get us all home safe and nice and warm and snug in our homes, God. Father, we thank you for that. We're asking for that, God, and we, we believe that that's a will that you have for us. Father, we love you. Look forward to this week. Be with us this week, God. It's going to be going to be cold, but, that, but you know all about that. Father, I pray that you will just warm us with your love like no one else. In your name, Father, we pray these things. Amen. Amen.